0: Welcome to the stories we don't tell. I'm
1: Stephanie. And I'm Paul. And this is a podcast about storytelling.
2: Happy birthday, Aiden! I type into WhatsApp. It's September 17th. My friend Chandy's son's birthday. I feel like an asshole for not remembering most of my other friend's kids' birthdays. But I always remember Aiden's because it's Nanai's birthday too. Nanai. it means mom in Tagalog. But biologically, she's my paternal grandmother. I'm 11 years old and I go to a school beside Edwards Gardens, which if you cut right through, goes right to bridal path. And in my class, a few kids live on the bridal path, like Mary Ellen, who spells it L-N.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mary Ellen's mom picks, up, picks her up in a white jaguar from school sometimes. And everyone else lives on a not as rich street, but they still wear root sweatshirts with their stirrups and Basswegians penny loafers. I have stirrups too, from Byway. And my root sweatshirt that I beg for at Christmas is 1984, <laughs> even though it's 1985. And Fafa, my grandfather, sometimes picks me up in a red, rusty car that has duct tape holding the passenger door together. And you have to climb in through the window to get in. <laughs> and I can hear the car before it gets into the school lot. As a matter of fact, everyone can hear it. Just like any other day, I come home from school, and as I approach the low-rise building we live in, I know it's just Nanai in our apartment, in our third-floor apartment, because I can hear Victor and Nikki Newman in our third-floor apartment all the way from the sidewalk. I get into our apartment, and I wait to watch Little House on the Prairie. And I sit on the floor because my aunt, Tita Loida, says I'm not clean enough for the couch. (laughs) I love Little House on the Prairie and the Ingalls family. They're white, and there's Pa, and there's Ma, and Mary, and Carrie. And of course, there's Laura, my favorite, with her braids and her slightly bucked teeth. I live with Nana, Fafa, and Tita Loida in a one-bedroom apartment where I sleep on the floor on top of layers of a banig, which is a woven mat, and a blue, itchy blanket, and then a red comforter on top for softness. Nana is making dinner. She likes to watch Little House on the Prairie with me sometimes, because it's her favorite too. After Young and the wrestling. But now she's in the kitchen chopping something, loudly, over and over, blam, blam. And it sounds violent. It's bothering me because I can't hear the TV, which is already super loud at 52, so now I can hear the Ingles from the kitchen. It's ruining my prairie vibe. <laughs> it's the episode where Pa breaks his ribs, Falling off the roof, he's always breaking his rib's paw.
0: <laughs>
2: and just as Doc, ba- Doc Baker is taping paw up, the falling leaves outside my window. Nanai, I can't hear, stop singing. Her voice is too loud and she doesn't have a beautiful songbird voice. She's in her late 60s and her voice sounds like a crackly old lady singing voice, but bolder and confident. And she's passionately serenading the meat she's bludgeoning. But it amuses her that I'm irritated. So even louder, with the cleaver now as her mic, the autumn leaps of red and gold. So I decide to go watch her make dinner because I'm hungry and I can't hear anyways. Nanai goes into full performance now with her made-up song. Doppeling leaves outside my window. Doppeling leaves of red and gold. She wants me to laugh or say something and I just stare. Mm -hmm. See, this is why I don't, Ask Karen McKenzie or Melanie Michaels over. She smiles at me. What is the matter? I shrug unamused. What's the point, I think? So I go back into the living room. I hate missing any part of Little House, but I feel like she's gonna do it again. So I listen just for a second. Okay, good, nothing. The falling leaves outside my window. Really? Nanai? Nanai's strange looking to me, but she acts like the beautiful ladies I see on TV. She has a scar over her upper lip, and it reminds me of a bunny. Her hair is thin and frizzy because of a bad berm. She is in her home clothes and her chinellas, but she's got on red lipstick. She always has on red lipstick that she's shoplifted. (laughs) When we go out, she wears a fancy black hat. And out can mean the grocery store or a party. It's the same thing to her. And she carries multiple heavy bags of groceries home by herself. She doesn't even act like a grandmother. She's always telling jokes and makes fun of people in Tagalog right in front of them. <laughs> and I warn her, nah nah, they can tell that they're making fun of them. No, they don't. <laughs> the twinkle in her eye tells me she doesn't care either way. When she watches wrestling after church on Sunday, she jumps up and she swears at the TV, putra get up. And when I have sipon and runny nose, she makes me blow my nose into her hand. (laughs) Nanai seems so foreign compared to the usual recipe of what a lady should be. She's a comfort food stew compared to the amuse-bouche of females I see, especially in my school's neighborhood. The year I turn 12, I move in with my mom and my stepdad. And I finally have my own room with my own TV. And I can't wait to invite friends over to drink iced tea and eat chips. I can sleep on a bed by myself. And I'm so excited that I'm not even sad when I'm leaving Nanai because I'll visit. She'll be here chopping, singing, watching Little House on the Prairie without me. She said so herself just before I left, this will be better for you. I was about 30 when Nanai died. I went into work as usual, sat down at my desk with my sunglasses on and started crying. She wasn't always going to be there with her red lipstick chopping and singing. I never ended up visiting her as often as I always said I would because I thought I was too different from her now. So different from that time. It feels like I'm making up my childhood with her. In high school, she and Fafa moved back permanently to the Philippines and it was just before they moved that I figured out that what she was singing was real not a weird made up song that I was embarrassed by. A real song called Autumn Leaves. Not King Cole sang it in nineteen forty-five when my nana was Gorgunia Celia Antipolo and thirty-three years old. It's about remembering lost love. Now I hear different versions of this song, sometimes in movies and anywhere, really. But they all sound exactly the same to me. The falling leaves outside my window. Thank you.
1: and we're back, just in case.
0: Yeah, it, it we'll be back every day. We're sort of just, back no matter what. It's yeah. just back from a shorter break. I guess so. So we're That's still true. back.
1: That's true. Uh, yeah, that was great. I love that story about Veronica, uh, that story about Veronica's grandmother.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so, again, we're, what we're doing is we're taking these stories and, and talking about a little piece of it uh, or something that we found uh, might be useful and enlightening. And this one one of the things that struck us uh, when when she told it was the power and ability of how that one phrase changed every time she told it. the useful usefulness of that of the phrase about falling leaves each time sort of had a different uh, you know feeling,
1: mm-hmm. really yeah. and uh, it it really it it's really amazing because it it's connected to it's such like kind of a simple device, mm. but it's so effective in the hands of somebody that knows how to uh use it and it can just really you know with if the like the tone is changing it can really just it can en- encompass like so many different things it could be used for in so many different ways
0: yeah and and i think it's inter- it's such a use especially when you're taking a story that you know has you know multiple feelings in it which, mm-hmm. m- which many stories do Um, and, and you're able to sort of use that as almost a beat to keep bringing yourself back to that sort of moment and then sort of launching back into the next, the next part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's almost a way to close and open a chapter of some way, you know, even though you're talking about a very short story and chapters are sort of a, maybe not as exactly what you refer to it as, but there is that moment or ability to, to take a moment, take a breath. Everyone sort of knows that second, you know, the audience can sort of reset and then, and, but also, the audience is then feeling it, feeling that emotion each e- differently each time mm-hmm.
1: and it and it kind of um helps, so, yeah, I was thinking first, it helps you in the writing um process because it it um it creates sort of markers for you that like once you stumble upon something like that, you you can kind of go, oh, I can you know kind of plant these throughout the story and then you know, connect these different parts um, that maybe have very different feelings and all this and I can, you know, kind of use it, grow it out from there. But then what's really cool also is that when you go to think about presenting it to the audience, it's such a it's such a helpful thing, those kind of things, because it gives a nod to the audience of like how how to bring an audience along with you hmm. through this emotional journey. And it's not, but it's not, Telling the audience how to feel in a very, you know, big Hollywood movie with a a, a big, you know, uh, music cue, and you are supposed to feel like this, it just allows the audience to experience where you are at in the story and to kind of be like, yeah, just come along with me. This is how I'm feeling, and and this is, uh, it just connects, it grounds, helps ground the the story and the emotions for the audience.
0: Yeah, and I think it can be especially de- depending on on type of story. Uh, it allows you to to bring everyone sort of back into sort of a restated a, a reset a little bit you know you're able to you're able to get somewhere with a story and then and then the, and then a line that you choose that you're sort of that you're using as this sort of device i think in some ways it the repetition allows the the audience's memory to 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 go back again for briefly to the last feeling to last feeling and to the last feeling each time you sort of say that line they remember sort of the last time they heard it and I, I think it lets you actually p- let people feel all of the feelings at the same time, right? Because you, you remember each time you've heard it, you remember the different ways you felt that. And I think that allows you to actually layer emotions into a story in a way that would be maybe more difficult without uh, using a, a device like this.
1: And time, too, because uh, it's such a a cool uh, way to, you know, we all have things in our lives, whether it could be music in, like it is in this case or, or w- whatever, that... Things change over time, or their meanings change, or or what they mean to to you changes, and uh, by using this kind of device in a ten minute story, you can you can really go far and always kind of know where you are, like the audience knows where you are.
0: You know, I think you're able to maybe maybe even go further afield. Mm-hmm. In, let's in, in the, say, the, how long you might want to tell, how, like how, how far, how many years you want to go forward, you know, into a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, or, or maybe further afield in, in sort of stylistically or further afield in, in content or what you're sort of trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because you're able to always bring everyone back into this sort of moment. And if, and if it's used effectively, you're able to sort of again, roll people back into this into this sort of rhythm, and I think it sort of helps people always come back, and you don't you don't lose people too much when you're when you get too far away from sort of that first bit of the story, perhaps.
1: Yeah, and and I think what what Veronica does perfectly is she uses it the exact right amount. Oh yeah. Because this kind of thing can get a little belabored if you if you use it too like even once too much, you're kind of like oh, you know you you don't. It's almost like. What's the magic number? And it's probably different for everything. What, but um, what's the magic number of like where the audience is going along with you and then you do it one more time and they they kind of, it pulls the emotion. They kind of go, ah. Oh yeah we're we're, yeah we get it kind of thing
0: yeah exactly it it, it very quickly can i think become almost a hitting people over the head with like this is the point of the story and and also i think it's useful as very good about this story particularly is that the line isn't conveying the feeling of the story Mm -hmm. you know often i think you you those the lines become sort of a mantra maybe that 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 the main character is is coming back to. And that sort of becomes, can become is more difficult, I think, because you end up beleaguering the point. You're sort Mm -hmm. of saying the point of the story over and over again. Whereas, whereas in this moment, it's not a callback to the meaning of the story or anything. It's a callback to this, to this, to this memory -hmm. that she she spends the first part of the story, setting up this memory Mm -hmm. and then using that. And then, so what we're experiencing when we hear it isn't so much, you know, once again, Veronica telling you the meaning of the story, it's we're all collectively experiencing that memory again. Mm-hmm. And and how that memory of that time and that purpose and that meaning that she was feeling with her grandmother in that first sort of scene comes with each and every one of these other parts of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very key in mm-hmm. regards to how many times you can use it. Because I think you're right. I think, you know, we've both used this, this similar types of things in previous in times. And I think that it really that if you use it one too many times it can it can totally not work
1: Mm -hmm. uh so i will say when we were uh uh, sort of tidying up after this particular event i think we were trying to find this song yeah we because because then it kind of got stuck in all of our minds and we were we were uh it 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 did its job because now it created uh, it created a new memory for all of us to remember very fondly through Veronica's story.
0: Yeah, it it, it such a, so effectively has created a yeah. Now I will never hear this song again without thinking of the of of, of Veronica's grandmother. Yeah, this is the this is the story. Now.
1: She did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> So, so all right.
0: Well, we've 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 started a new tradition, uh, which you did in the in the, in the last episode.
1: Oh, uh, I didn't necessarily mean that. That was going to be a one-off thing.
0: Too bad it's in, it's here now, Paul. I'm using it. Uh, so if, if someone brings uh, this uh, this kind of idea to a to a story, uh, what do you say?
1: I would sum it. I just think that's the big, biggest thing for me is the um, figuring out the, that what, what is that magic number hmm. and just uh, not. You know, not allowing it to like using it enough that it is it is. There's a reason why it's there every time. Right. And with Veronica's story, every time there was a very specific reason why she was quoting that again.
0: Yeah, and it was in the story, I guess. You know, it was it was actually right. a moment when that that song did play again. Mm-hmm. You know, versus just sort of a callback to the to the same itself. It was set up so that the song again and again and again was, was sort of being heard by the characters in the story, yeah. whether or not it's in their head or actually listening to it.
1: Yeah. And you? I
0: think I would ask myself why I'm using it. You know, I think, because it can be a very e- easy device to, to allow yourself to sort of, you know, f- to, to frame a story structure out.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: you can use this idea of repetition to, to fall back on as a framing device and so I think you have to know why you're using it Mm -hmm. um, to ensure that you're not just sort of being like oh this is an easy way to structure the story
1: or it's a clever or it's you know that you're you don't really know um it's not it you know there's it's connected to the the sort of emotion of the story
0: yeah exactly yeah I think that's that'd be what I would say
1: all right um yeah that's it thanks so much everyone
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast.
1: Visit tell.org and like our Facebook page for more information about our monthly events.
0: And for more stories, check out our book, available anywhere books are sold. This episode of the Stories October podcast is brought to you by the Lansdowne Cone. The Lansdowne Cone is a social enterprise out of Toronto that let us use their space in October, and that was great.